good people in podcast land, welcome to Convene, a conversation series dedicated to connecting the creative community in Toronto. I'm your host, Chris Penrose, and this 16-part series is about the music ecosystem between Montreal and Toronto. This edition of Convene is supported by Factor Canada. On this episode, I speak with Charlie Wall Andrews, who is a Trudeau scholar, music executive, and faculty member at the University of Toronto. In her role at SoCan Foundation, she established many programs such as the Creative Entrepreneur Incubator and Equity X Production Development Program, which prepares artists to turn their passion and talent into a sustainable career. My first question is if you can describe your role in the music industry in your city. Yeah, well, I am the executive director for SoCan Foundation. I have been in this role for about six years. And uh, the, the factor in which the foundation plays in the Canadian music ecosystem is uh, bo- both uh, very active in Montreal and Toronto. So we provide a variety of grants, programs and awards to help the, the ecosystem, but especially music creators and publishers reach their full potential. So I've had a, a, the privilege of really having the uh, opportunity to explore and engage and support the industry in this role. That's amazing. And what would you say your experience of the relationship between Montreal and Toronto is? And obviously you have a pretty unique perspective because, you know, working with SoCan Foundation and having those two cities as your priorities, not a lot of people are thinking about both cities constantly in their role. But yeah, what is your view on the relationship between the two cities? Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, the two cities I see is, uh, to a great degree, two very separate markets that operate very differently uh, to a great degree. But I do find that in our experiences with our programs awards, that there's a lot of synergy and there's a lot of incredible creativity and leaders uh, really making a difference and being innovators in the markets, respectively. And so we even look at our our funding structures and we see that a lot of resources particularly go to uh, both of those municipalities because they're such key players uh, in the, the Canadian ecosystem at large. So it's always fascinating to to learn about what kind of innovations and artists and and who are key players that are trying to um you know, build a career and grow. Uh, I would also say that, like, there's different ways to approach this because, like, for instance, on one hand, there is a Quebecois, there's a Francophone culture that must be protected and preserved. And I find that uh, while Canada is a uh, bilingual and, and in some with some territories a trilingual nation, it's, uh, that doesn't always seem to be a a priority in the Toronto industry, right? It's very English-driven music uh, for the most part. Not to generalize, but uh, this is generally generally true, yeah. Exactly. And when you look at the history uh, of Quebecois culture and Francophone culture, it's been a a challenge to ensure that it is protected and cultivated and and not um, at risk of being diluted due to Anglophone culture. And this is a big part of what makes Canada, Canada, but it's also a big part of what makes um, the Quebecois identity uh, one to be proud of and is preserving and fostering and, and empowering that the Francophone uh, the spirit and, and linguistically that's really important. So that's a huge differentiator between the markets how, uh, in the ecosystem. And uh, the, and I can understand some of the, the necessity to kind of, uh, maybe the, it's a bit challenging to, to collaborate on some projects because of that linguistic barrier. However, we can also see that when we collaborate in terms of advocacy for, let's say, policies or um, 
matters in the music industry that affect all of us, regardless of linguistic uh, or cultural or, or, or various identities or geographical differences, is that when we come together, we are stronger as an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, and so we see, like, obviously with uh, SOCAN and the foundation being national entities, we also see that there are a variety of organizations, uh, both uh, in, in Toronto and in Montreal, that are serving their communities that are doing great work to advocate for issues but there's so much power and magic that happens when we come together to to champion what we need to build a, an ecosystem where we can all thrive yeah and i think you've named some really powerful things there because yes there is you know the emphasis in quebec understandably so is to really like protect preserve amplify and continue to advance francophone culture and quebecois culture um yet when you look at issues like say cost of living in cities and afford hello Hi, did the, I think the call just maybe dropped? Yeah, are you yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah, call okay, just okay. dropped, yeah. Okay, sorry. What was that? Are you able to crop that section out? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, we have an editor. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry, so what was that question again? Yeah, yeah so, so um, yeah, what I was saying was, um, like you make a really good point about, sorry, let me just gather the, because I, I want it to also sound like it didn't get interrupted. <laughs> um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because you were talking about the infrastructure and uh, uh, oh yeah, so you like you're making a really good point about the nuances within Quebec and even just when you look at the language, which can be a language barrier, and and the really like powerful investment into Quebecois culture and francophone culture in Quebec and the really strong emphasis on English speaking music in Toronto and Ontario, that that can be seen as something that's like has has a source of separation but when you look at say an issue like affordable housing for musicians and um the relationship of like being able to have act you know housing stability in an urban center and how at a policy level that can be something that's really important to people working in french or english in montreal and french or english in toronto and so i, I really like that you drive towards that policy level conversation as well because i think that is a real powerful source of unity another for sure uh, for sure i mean there's so much that is involved to ensure that a music ecosystem can thrive like we we often think of things like uh venues studios granting structures um, mechanisms to collect royalties and get paid distributors but there's all these other elements that aren't always at the forefront of the industry on that for per se so like access to music education um you know ideally at an early age for instance of course as you mentioned like affordable housing is important i mean we see all too often uh, and this is an issue uh, across, uh, you know, not just Canada, but globally, uh, and especially in, in Toronto um, and major urban centres where housing is unaffordable. Um, and not being able to have home security also can contribute to uh, mental health implications uh, with stress. Um, it, it, it's not a good feeling to have somebody living paycheck to paycheck um, on a, a minimum wage or even lower than, you know, uh, what the cost of living is. So I think that there's opportunities where the industry can work together to, to do studies and to identify uh, what are the, the challenges and barriers and enablers uh, to help the ecosystem thrive. And you know, having that kind of data would help 
understand the intensity and density in which the, you know, even if we're going to zoom in into a, a particular geographical region like Montreal and Toronto, what are the similarities? What are the differences mm-hmm. where issues are and, and how can we like learn from one another and have that discourse? And I, I'm a big believer in, you know, do the research and have the data. I, I think that's just the scholar in me because it's, it, that helps us re- be able to pinpoint specific issues like we know to one degree from talking to people uh, about a variety of matters but also you know there's different ways to collect the data I guess is what I'm trying to say and and once we have that we could you know really start to take action uh, on a variety of matters I mean there's so much involved uh, bottom line in building that ecosystem and there's a, in Canada in comparison to the, to the world. And when I refer to Canada, obviously I'm referring uh, in this context to also Montreal and Toronto, two key players in the market, is that to some degree we're so much better off compared to other markets. Like, you know, where artists don't get compensated uh, for their work, uh, the privileges. Uh, you're getting exposure to play music, and therefore that's your compensation, um, which is a problematic. I think that in Toronto and in in Montreal, there is a, a respect for culture. There's an appreciation for music from the public perspective, um, and we see this in the generous granting mechanisms that we have, not just at SoCan Foundation, but also with municipal. Uh, arts councils, both the Montreal Arts Council and Toronto Arts Councils are huge funders to to the music ecosystem to help artists uh, have sustainable careers and to build those careers. And in addition to all the other resources um, from foundations or uh, federal agencies and provincial agencies as well. So it, it's interesting to look at the comparison from that perspective, I don't know, uh, but I'm I don't know what the uh, uh, you know cost of living is in Montreal uh, compared to Toronto. Um, I'd be curious if you had any insights on that. Yeah, I mean, in general, what we have when we look at it is that there's two things that are happening, right? Like Montreal is a more affordable place for uh, both businesses for venues on that side as well as for housing, but it's also rapidly going up. And so, um, you know, you, you Toron- Toronto is, in Canada, you know, one of the most unaffordable places to live. And, you know, the, the kind of quotient of you should have 30% of your housing, um, in your 30% of your budget go to housing. Like, that's just impossible for most people. Um, one of the more recent studies is you have to earn... Um, 51000 a year to if you take transit and have a one-bedroom apartment in Toronto, 56000 a year if you drive. Um, and th- like when you look now going into creative industries and music when with sources of income, like just a, a, obtaining that off of music is not viable for most people. Right. You know, so um, the, there, there is that, that challenge. And, and we're seeing, like, when you look at real estate prices, rent prices, it's going up everywhere now. Like, you're even in, in um, there's a big wave of people um, going to even the East Coast. And there was a CBC report recently on uh, The Current where they were talking to people who now, you know, who are from the islands in the East Coast who are getting to this place where they cannot afford to not just purchase, but even to rent in in some major places in the East Coast because you have people from centers like uh, Toronto and Vancouver who are saying, like, I could, you know, pay, you know, $500,000 and have a home in the East Coast, and that's driving the prices up. compared to what people are making in those places so um we're seeing that that kind of narrative of like montreal being the more affordable city still being true but that gap is closing like the price is going up Mm -hmm. and that's really interesting so as you're talking what i think about is 
uh, you know, a recessions happen. These are business cycles. And uh, would it, is it just, you know, waiting for that next recession to kind of, um, obviously, that's never a fun experience. And, and I think COVID has made things uh, very aggregated because of the uh, implications of it. But the, the recession would technically uh, be a factor of, you know, reducing the cost of everyday life to some degree, um, including housing. But there's also negative implications to something mm -hmm. like that. Like if that happens, then that also implicates how people have access to disposable income to support mm -hmm. artists. Right. So yeah. um, it's hard on, on one hand, it's like, um, what do we do when that happens and what, how do the circumstances shape up in, in each area, uh, Montreal and Toronto, but um, you know, that may not happen so soon. I, we, we, you know, I don't know when the next recession is going to be. Uh, but in terms of affordable housing, we see Artscape in Toronto is doing amazing work to help work with uh, private corporations that are building homes and condos, uh, getting funding from the city uh, to be able to provide affordable housing for artists. And, and it's very clear that Artscape housing has been in really high demand in Toronto. Yeah, the demand is huge. Yeah. I had so many artists actually reach out uh, to me to ask for letters of support to, to gain access. Yeah. And, and I, I know some that got in, but obviously the demand is way higher. Like, um, I'm, sh I'm not sure what the level of applications are compared to how many um, s units that they had available, but I'm, I'm sure it's way, way, way more people that are applying than, than units available. But models like that are examples of like, well, how do we scale those kind of things up? Right. And the need too, like the fact that there's such a high demand speaks to the need and the cultural value of being able to have artists live in the heart of the community, mm -hmm. uh, regardless where your base is really important. Like we see in Toronto, it's, uh, it's, it's not affordable to the point where losing a lot of artists moving to the outskirts of the city or even Hamilton, uh, to be able to access affordable housing. And that's, you know, that's concerning. And it's also harder for artists to be able to thrive in the heart of the, the, the city and be part of the city um, mm -hmm. when they're pushed to the sides. So, I mean, it's concerning if the, the, the cost of living and, and affordable housing is um, not as accessible in, in Montreal. And I think that we could have discussions together to, to look at case studies and, and what is being done from affordable housing perspective. Like I know of Artscape as one example, and I think that that's a model that's continued to be proven and it's something that should continue to be supported. And, and, and maybe it's time to expand something like that um, outside of Toronto and, and Vancouver into Montreal. I don't know if there's similar initiatives in Montreal yeah, I'm not aware if there is. I imagine, I imagine there there is. Like I've seen um, some things around like cooperative housing and, and Montreal being like much further along on on when it comes to some of those types of housing options. But I, I think that like we we that is a big part of the conversation, and it's really interesting because you know you want to talk about music, and you are gonna get into conversations around housing and venues and like zoning because all of those things really um, shape what's possible in a, in a right. music scene. Um, so like, I, um, I, I love that the conversation goes there. The other thing too with um, affordable housing is also access to uh, creative spaces and hubs. Mm -hmm. So in Toronto, we have a lot of spaces like uh, Daniel's Spectrum or uh, the Launchpad uh, also affiliated with Artscape. So they're not just providing affordable housing for artists, but also access to spaces to be mm -hmm. creative, co-working, network building, skill development for career sustainability. And these are models that are really important. We're also seeing that universities are playing a key factor in serving as a hub to develop uh, skills of artists. So in Toronto, we see um, there we have strong music programs at the institutions and colleges, as we see with uh, Montreal, with McGill, for instance, 
uh, and the conservatory. So um, I'm not sure if they they have the same type of community resources where artists can go and book studios and, and collaborative spaces uh, for free or affordable rates. Um, and I'm not sure if the universities in, in Montreal are also engaging with community to to create um, a pathway for collaboration outside of just you know, people in the university community. Because I know at like Ryerson, for example, they have the Music Den, which has been a really phenomenal uh, platform and space mm-hmm. for, I mean, obviously things are a little different with COVID, but uh, post and pre-COVID, it's a space for collaboration and, and it's a great place for artists to have access to. We also see You for Change and Sketch Art being able to have studios that, youth can access from the streets and to develop their 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 capacity as an artist for instance so i don't know if montreal has that same infrastructure but that would be something to investigate because affordable housing is obviously important and that's going to be a determinant to so many other factors of the 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 livelihood and quality of life and success for an artist but also access to the hubs and creative spaces as well yeah totally agreed and i think that um, you've named, you know, a number of really init- interesting initiatives in the city, you know, and I think one of the, of Toronto you've named, but also, you know, there's a whole list of uh, spaces and organizations that, you know, no longer exist as well, that were providing that important space. And if we look at even the legacy of Toronto music scene in particular, there are so many initiatives, like say, if you just look at, you know, We've talked about this before, but like fresh arts, you know, and you look at what kind of um, that that space for collaboration, that space for incubation, that space for youth employment related to developing skills in creative industries. You know, the legacy of that, you know, like is is, yes, the circle and, you know, Cardinal and Socrates and Julie Black being all these artists that we know. But there's also people like Motion, who is, you know, now in the space of like writing for film and television and Mm -hmm. doing really incredible things that that were incubated in that and being able to not just have those spaces, but to sustain them over generations, I think is is so important and I know um, there are there are some really remarkable initiatives happening in Montreal that I'm aware of at a, at a grassroots level um, and there's also you know really amazing like gallery spaces and collectives and and initiatives that um, that are fostering that but um, that that's a that is I'm sure the need is not being met in either city for sure and you know what's interesting is that there was uh, a study done in I believe it was 2016 where SoCan was looking at postal codes of a lot of the the creative members, and they had identified that the uh, plateau in um, I believe it's called the plateau. Yes, in Montreal was the creation capital for 2016 uh, by looking at that data, which was really fascinating. So wow. I thought that that was fantastic because I think. A lot of people have the perception that Toronto is the go-to market. So, for instance, we see a lot of artists from the West Coast and East Coast coming to Toronto with aspirations to uh, expand their career. Uh, But in fact, the data would say that Montreal is actually uh, a very powerful hotspot where creatives are coming together. Um, There's, you know, perhaps maybe other factors that can be looked into, like the linguistic and whatnot and and because they've kind of established their own ecosystem because French music is highly profitable. It's a very unique market compared to the rest of the world. So we were talking about how there's correlations to um, an easier access to Europe, especially because of France and Morocco and other countries with strong Franco, uh, French uh, roots are going to, uh, you know, have more appetite for francophone music. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that, you, like when I'm talking about this, it doesn't mean that um, Montreal and, and Quebec only produces French music. There's also, in fact, a very strong uh, English presence as well, like Random Recipe and Franny Holder, like one of my uh, favorite bands, and uh, they sing in English, and they're from Montreal. We see uh, Deluxe, 
from Montreal who are really popular in Latin America and they're singing in uh, Spanish. So it's uh, it's interesting. And I think the English hip hop, the English speaking hip hop scene in Montreal is incredible. Like when you look at the the artists and the sounds that are coming out uh, of uh, Montreal, like phenomenal. And I think we're really poised to to make a big impact. And I I love the fact that you're fr- framing it. Like I don't I think that physically infrastructure is concentrated in Toronto for the music industry and for media in Canada. That's, you know, but where creation's happening, um, other industries, um, the like different models for like sustainable creation and growth and creative entrepreneurship, like there's leadership all over the country. And, and, and this conversation is definitely about like, Toronto needs Montreal to grow and, yeah. and Montreal needs Toronto to grow and the, the potential of that comes into play for both cities when they're more connected is is uh, reciprocal for sure. A hundred percent. And and there's absolutely one thing here when we talk about the music ecosystem, regardless if it's live or recorded music, that the, the it's going to impact either city in the same way. So for instance, music is going to be uh, applicable to education or uh, governance structures or music policies in cities, media, community engagement uh, are aspects that are going to fuel it to uh, touch upon sports, tourism, health and well-being, hospitality, mm-hmm. nightlife and culture and, and transportation, like all of this music touches uh, the lives of Canadians every single day um, in Toronto and Montreal, especially. And so it, I think there's appetites and, and opportunity to always explore how do we collaborate more and promote trade and collaboration between the two uh, ecosystems to really strengthen and grow. So it's, uh, you know, the opportunity is there. And I think that it's something that we can continue to build and explore on really make the magic happen. Yeah, and, and there's phenomenal ideas coming out of these conversations, like seeing more labels that are based in both cities, you know, and, and mm-hmm. intentional about, um, you know, creating, like when you look at to say, you know, Redman and Method Man did their verses and you hear the backstory on it. It's like Def Jam execs were, execs were just like, we got to put these two together. Now it worked. Not every time they paired up somebody um, it doesn't always work, but it worked in really phenomenal ways. But that's that's where that started, you know. And 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 what happens if that's existing between Montreal and Toronto? People have talked about residencies and and giving artists from each city the opportunity to kind of live in, work, and create for a little bit in in a different energy that each city has, um, you know. And increasing, you know ways to light, lighten the impact of, you know, transportation between the cities um, mm-hmm. and and uh, collaborations being marketed, right? So it's not like having, not just having an artist, say, from Montreal and a producer from Toronto do something together, but that you're intentionally marketing the fact that this is this connection between these cities and the sound that's created. So there's been some really amazing ideas on on how to do just what you said, you know. And as you're talking, I, I'm, what I'm thinking about is like we put so much effort in both of our cities separately mm-hmm. to export content, uh, like one to serve our own community, and then to export our content across borders. So whether it's Europe or USA, um, and that's kind of like the hustle, and that's kind of how a lot of the funding structures are also designed to support music export and promotion. But collaborating is a form of trade, and it would be interesting to see more collaboration on the creative side as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, like we, we see song camps across uh, Canada, for instance, and, and they're fairly diverse. It would be maybe interesting to have a Toronto-Montreal exchange of creatives and industry leaders to actually come together and find ways to to share, learn, and exchange, uh, you know, using this convene series as a platform to, to kick off the, the mode of conversation and, and build that strategy. I, I absolutely think that, that that kind of model 
has to happen. And I think what we'll see, you know, the benefits of it, like a very simple goal that I would just love is that like everybody in Toronto who's checking for Toronto hip hop, when you like that, you, you hear a new release from whatever Toronto artist that every time someone drops from Montreal, you would know about it too, you know, and, yeah. and, and vice versa. And I think that like, because there, there is a huge opportunity to connect those markets because the sound, like if you really get into the sound, the sound in both cities is really, uh, there's some contrast and there's a lot of compliment, but they, they go together beautifully. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you though, we've talked a lot about what's possible and, you know, some of the things that could really make an impact from like the policy level to like really practical things like a song camp, um, songwriting camp, but the, um, what do you think is getting in the way of this connection between the two cities? Um, I think it's like off the top of my head, I think there's a few things that will get in the way. One is uh, cultural identities are different. So because Canada is, as I said, such a, it's, it's supposed to be fully bilingual, but you can live in Toronto and go to other parts of Canada and not have any exposure to French uh, culture and that's really important to, in uh, Montreal and Quebec. So I think linguistically that can be a challenge. So there's going to have to be some uh, sincerity and willingness to to understand and, and appreciate the cultural differences mm-hmm. um, as one. I also think that funding is limited in our industry, and so people are so focused on trying to build capacity to uh, do what they're you know, doing already, which is build in their own industry and and scale and and export to some degree. If there was additional resources to to promote this kind of collaboration and for people to learn and see what the magic is from all of this, uh, economically, socially, culturally, Mm -hmm. et cetera, that it could then build momentum for, for further collaboration where everybody can benefit. But I think that in order to get people on board and to take that what some people may look at as a risk or a challenge and others may look at as an opportunity, it's still going to require resources, either human capital time mm-hmm. um, or, or just, you know, being able to have the, the tools and access. So uh, funding structures. And uh, I think in, in, you know, being in COVID times, I think that if we're able to use the digital tools, that's always an asset. But of course, time, transportation, um, and equity and diversity is also something that's really important that needs to be addressed. Like if we're trying to, depending on the scale of the project of collaboration, um, some uh, parents may have challenges taking too much time off or um, there are also barriers for racialized and women to thrive and grow and have access in the industry as well. So. There's, uh, that, that's also a layer that has to be taken into uh, consideration. And I also want to say, like, when we're looking at, uh, you know, the, the often I find in a lot of conversations in, with people across, the, or particularly in Toronto, is that they say, oh, Quebec and Montreal, it's, it's francophone and that's that. But um, we also have to ensure that we're inclusive to Indigenous culture as well and Indigenous artists and and. Uh, policy movers and actors and, and entrepreneurs in this ecosystem as well. So that also ties into equity and inclusion is how do we make sure that it's not just people from Toronto and Montreal, but it's also a roster of diverse people with different experiences, perspectives and identities collaborating on, on whatever it is that we will, we will achieve. Um, but I, I think that there's many angles that we can do uh, but I'm going to say that those three are probably the the three barriers that come to mind: mm-hmm. resources and time, um, the the equity and diversity piece. Um, we have a lot of work in the industry to to really focus and step up and um, you know change how we do and work to support everyone, uh, and as well as the understanding the cultural differences and linguistic uh, barriers that may emerge as well. I think you've laid that out really powerfully and clearly. Um, and, and I think that, that that point about the complexity of Montreal and the complexity of Quebec, 
that that it isn't just a, a simple narrative of like oh it's you know quebecois french and that's it and if i'm not with that then you know there there are uh indigenous communities throughout the province and and especially within the montreal um, area and there's people who are coming from all over the world where you know fr french may be a second language third language fourth language um in community so i think it, that that element too of looking for those synergies between the cities is is understanding like th that the, in toronto as well it's it's a more complex place you can't drop a single narrative but moving it forward with that equity lens and really being aware of like where there would be barriers to building this ecosystem and, and focusing resources on removing those barriers through an equity lens i think is really important and i'm glad you've underlined that yeah, it's, it's something that we, we have to really put at the forefront in everything that we do, uh, so for sure. And I just want to say, like, personally, like, the one big opportunity that I'm really watching right now uh, is how the video game market and developers are just booming in Montreal, um, which is so extraordinary. And if there was opportunity to collaborate um, with that industry, that can be such a career-defining experience for artists or or whomever um, to get involved in, in the capacity building of that in, in their market. Uh, I think that's something that Toronto doesn't really have yet. Montreal's really dominating that space. Yeah, and the relationship to music and gaming is so strong as well, mm -hmm. right? And when we're looking yeah. at, like, these questions, especially, you know, you've mentioned COVID and, like, when we're looking at, there, there continues to be all these disruptions and changes and innovations that are impacting the the music industry and and there are these questions of like what is you know a career in music going forward and uh mentioning gaming is important like the same way like a lot of artists that look at like sync deals and television and film um gaming is another another part that music brings so much value to but also that can be an amazing area of opportunity for artists and their teams mm -hmm. absolutely so i guess it's just uh, time will tell and you know i i believe that as a both cities are filled with people that would love to collaborate if the opportunity was there um i just i think that you know this is this conversation and the work that you're doing could be uh, an opportunity to kick this off so i'm really excited to see what's to come thank you uh, coming from you and, and the work you do, that means a lot. I wanted to ask you a question for somebody from Montreal who wants to get to know what's going on in Toronto. What are some of the platforms, people, artists that you would suggest starting with and checking? And then also I want to ask that question in terms of what's on your radar for Montreal as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Uh, for Toronto, I, I would say that because the music industry on the English side is really active in Toronto, uh, I'm not discrediting anywhere else. It's a very busy country with lots of support for music. But uh, for reasons I previously mentioned, I think FYI, Music News is a really key platform for people that want to know what's happening um, industry-wise. And a lot of that is is based in Toronto. But I also think joining community groups like uh, the Facebook groups, like there's um, uh, Toronto, it used to be called Toronto uh, Women in Music, but I believe that they recently changed it to a more inclusive language, is uh, a really great group for uh, women and, and underrepresented genders to go and learn about programs and opportunities and seek that support. I also think it's great if you can join an association. So for example, we have Music Managers Forum of Canada or the Songwriters Association of Canada, uh, the Music Supervisors Guild of Canada. So whatever capacity that you're working in the music industry, uh, definitely check out the associations get on their e-newsletter that also includes music canada and and the canadian independent music association that's going to keep you informed about programs opportunities um new you know upcoming news and and details that you know you may not have access to otherwise uh, 
coming from Montreal. Maybe so, but maybe not. And I also think like social media is a really powerful tool. So um, like Clubhouse is really great if you can get access to it. And uh, I can also say like following artists that are real ambassadors for the city uh, could also be helpful, but also news platforms. I'm not, uh, and and um, it depends. Like if you just want to know like what's going on in Toronto, Instagram and, and depending on the group could be a really great tool as well. Um, trying to think like there's so many different ways. <laughs> no, I think, Montreal... you've, I think you've named a lot. You've named a lot. Okay, and, okay. and those part of, part of the intention of this question is really like, you know, you, you follow those branches, you know, you check out one of those things, like one of those associations, and then that can expose you to so much, you know, or, you know, say like someone would talk about, you know, People have mentioned in, you know, Montreal, Antenna's radio, and people have mentioned ISO radio in Toronto. Um, you check out one of those, you know, the DJs you get exposed to, the artists you get exposed to, the the um, journalists and, and et cetera, that mm-hmm. just by connecting with that, those touch points that you can For then sure. find are important. I think you've named a lot of really great touch points. From the Montreal side, I think... Uh, <sighs> I, I depend on things like so can words and music and uh, leaders in the industry like Jean-Viard Cote, who's uh, working with so can. Uh, and of course, uh, we have staff from the foundation in Montreal. So I'm really lucky to turn to them because I'm not so familiar with the market not being there. But what I would say is that if you are very serious about exploring a market in this capacity uh, or in, in a different city is Try to find a mentor or even just arrange a cup of coffee with somebody uh, from from the industry, from the different city to learn and get insights and to get further direction from somebody that uh, has, you know, a broad range of knowledge and is in the know of what's going on and, and where to start. So that would be a strategy I would take if I wanted to really get in deep with the Montreal scene uh, as I'm not from there. I would try to find uh, yeah, a mentor. Yeah, I second yeah. that. You know, and, and if there are um, ways that, you know, if you do have any resources where you can compensate people for their time and knowledge as well, like I think that that's a, that's a really powerful approach of just saying like, you know, I want to learn about what's going on in your city. What do you like? What do you listen to? What are you paying attention to? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, where, where you can't... It, where it's possible, um, whether it's financial or other resources you can offer um, in that exchange. That's that's uh, something I would second for sure. For sure. And I think uh, it would be interesting if like Spotify and other streaming platforms or music providers could provide more um, localized playlists. Um, but this is where university and community radio stations can be a real asset as well. Uh, mm-hmm. just because they're so much more like connected on the grassroots level. Yeah, the discoverability in that curation um, is, is something that is only going to become more important because the the amount of music that's being created, it is so difficult to um, keep track of it. And because, you know, so much is marketed through social media, which has these algorithms that create these bubbles, you know, st- you could be like, missing out on things that you know people are really pushing and sharing but because it's not in your algorithms bubble you know you're not seeing it so i think the those ways of like bringing that curation together there and increasing the discoverability on that local and intercity level is is really needed no absolutely and i think that that's a whole other discussion that you and i can have about uh, data and algorithms and mm-hmm. how it forces people to be stuck in echo chambers if you don't really put in serious effort to get outside of what the what what's coming your way on the internet because of uh, yeah. the algorithm well my i would say like my my instagram changed when we started um, preparing for this um, conversation series because you know i started researching more platforms and just checking more artists and following people when I would, you know, do research and find out different artists and to start following them. And then now it's like a lot more uh, Montreal content is starting to 
come across my my feed and i see i'm seeing it a lot more but a lot of really things that were, are really dope that i really love i find a lot of inspiration from um, that i wouldn't have known otherwise hadn't we started this if we hadn't started this project so interesting yeah, yeah i can't wait to hear the whole podcast because it sounds like you have such an exciting lineup of speakers and and thought leaders on this topic yeah it's it's been it's been a really i think the most difficult part of it was like trying to narrow down 16 people and, and try to represent <laughs> a lot of perspectives because the the original list i st- started with like 150 people or something like that um i wanted to wow. ask a couple more questions yeah, and sure. these are really kind of like uh actionable to the point questions uh what is the biggest shift that could happen between Montreal and Toronto that would benefit you the most in the work you do? Hmm. Biggest shift. So um, I would say that in the work that I, I do, I think the biggest shift would be more uh so uh you know outside of my role at SoCan I'm, I'm also doing a lot of research uh in the academic community and I would be curious about what the state of diversity is in the two industries and and to really understand in depth what are the the barriers what are the challenges that especially emerging and diverse artists face in both of those uh municipalities and I would be curious to uh, if we had that data and we had that information, we could really drive a shift with uh, policy change and um, use the data to really mobilize community to take action to address potential concerns and challenges that are uh, identified uh, based on the research findings. And that's what's so great about research is you don't know what you don't know. So when you actually put together a, a quality and ethical way of sourcing, you can uh, identify the gaps and take a strategy collaboratively with community to address them. And I think that having that kind of information could drive a major shift that would be beneficial, not just for me, uh, but the whole ecosystems or the two ecosystems respectively, uh, because if we're addressing barriers and gaps, especially for diverse and emerging artists, that's going to help all of us uh, be able to... um, you know, do grow together and, and, and thrive in a very competitive market. Yeah. You don't want to leave people behind. Yeah. I love what you're saying there because, you know, one of the things just, this is not uh, based off of data, but just observation in the, through the conversations we've had is that women and particularly black women have been driving so much of what is happening in both cities but when you do like just general research on like, you know, articles and profiles and interviews on different media outlets and it's a huge overrepresentation of men. Um, and so there, there is that gap between who's, who's really driving innovation and who's really pushing a lot of um, the great things that are happening and who's contributing a lot and the, like who's, who's kind of covered and whose voice is being amplified right there's there's a big gap there a hundred percent and it's interesting you say that because like that's uh media has a huge influence on the ecosystem and we're talking about discoverability like who gets access who gets profiled and who doesn't who gets playlisted who doesn't like uh there's a there's a lot called the question and even with some of our programs at foundation like we'll see instances where um in the past we've seen like a program would have 60% 60% white men apply and while we strive for inclusion and welcome everyone to apply we do feel that we need to be responsible and ensure that uh, participants in our programs per se reflect the diversity of Canada um, and then we see very little representation of of who you refer to as these innovators mm-hmm. um, and, with, and we want to support those innovators the especially racialized women and black women as well um, and it even goes, it's not just race and gender and geography and linguistic, it's also genre of music that we have to take into account yeah. in our industry too. Uh, you know, hip-hop, R&B, country, jazz, classical, cinematic, uh, which is also, a, it also complicates uh, 
uh, things a little bit, how we yeah. collaborate, who we collaborate, but it is possible. Um, but I, I love that you, you comment on that because we're, you know, we're seeing this in our, in, in our programs as well. And, and we're mindful of it. I'm curious about how other funding agencies, for instance, are looking at the data to identify who's applying and who's getting access. Yeah. It, it, when you mention, um, you know, talking about genre of music and funding, like, again, this is, I don't have the data on it. It's more from an anecdotal perspective, but almost every hip hop artist, rap artist, and manager, whoever that I talk to, largely look at the grant system as like, uh, not really for them, kind of a waste of time, kind of maybe irrelevant, or like, I'm not trying to come up that way, or I don't really get it. And, um, it's, you know, it's like, what's, what's the point kind of thing that, that sentiment t- tends to be there. And I think it's, you know, why is that? It's, I wouldn't, I would definitely wouldn't put any the onus of that on, um, hip hop artists and the hip hop community, but where you, you see other genres of, uh, music in the country that really see that the granting system in Canada is a part of the competitive advantage that they have, um, and really see that money as, as belonging to them um, and and going after it. And so it is reflected for sure in, in overall just applications, um, not the, for, the number of applications that go in, because, you know, and but also like the awareness, because it's one thing to apply, but it's a whole other thing to like uh, have that mentorship, that coaching, that guidance, that experience of like knowing how to put in an application that's going to be worth worth your time like you know and that's going to be successful so there there is a huge gap there 100 percent, and i think that's another part of the the solution or you know contributes to the solution of what we're talking about here right well it's about access and that's an important aspect to uh even have a, a thriving ecosystem is helping people have access to even enter it and then develop capacity within it uh, artistically or professionally yeah yeah and and i think the bar for for hip-hop artists though like you know I, i've seen projects you know that i personally know that um were great projects submitted for a grant didn't get it sometimes it's just based off of like you know the the perspective of whoever's reviewing it or the committee and, and not seeing it viable then not seeing it as viable but then it's successful later on and it's like oh, this artist is successful down the road on their own and then then there's an interest in supporting so i think that that's that's another dimension of that um for sure another question i wanted to ask you is what is it that you think you could contribute what like one of the main things you could contribute that would help strengthen this relationship between montreal and toronto for sure i believe in uh, mentorship i volunteer a lot even though i don't have a lot of time i I always try to, um, it may not be one-on-one mentorship sessions, but uh, I'll try to organize every Sunday morning uh, just small clusters of artists or uh, emerging entrepreneurs. It, it, it hasn't been geographically specific, but just a you know an open small group forum to talk and overcome challenges and try to give advice. I feel like this is a way to give back. I believe that it's important to volunteer and give back and have balance. So I try to volunteer the equivalent of working one full workday a week. It may not actually happen like that. It might be like a cluster if I take vacation and do volunteer work specifically. But um, that's something that's really important to me. So uh, volunteerism and mentorship, but also in the, the role that I'm doing at SoCan Foundation, we are, you know, open to supporting artists in, in a variety of capacities. So doing outreach more to uh, both communities. And if somebody has any cool ideas or projects about doing a Toronto-Montreal exchange, especially if it includes music creators and music publishers, um, that's something that I could try to help mobilize and support um, with obviously it goes through a jury process but could try to provide insights to 
um, help give financial capacity for such a program to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, for program organizers and leaders, uh, as an experienced you know, fundraiser in, in my career, um, I'm always happy to provide insight on what other funding resources can we access in Canada uh, to be able to, to make such beautiful collaborations possible? Because the Montreal market and Toronto market are extraordinary. Uh, I think music in Canada is extraordinary, but I would love to also see more collaboration between the two um, on all fronts. So I think that um, what I would also say is if there's any way that I could help from a knowledge perspective or research perspective or, or whatnot is reach out to me and let's have a conversation on how I can best support or, or best advise or direct uh, and provide guidance because I, I'm committed to seeing this kind of work happen. It's important and it's time for it to happen. And I want to be part of the, uh, the innovation. That's very generous in terms of all the layers that you're talking about. Um, and I think that just the knowledge exchange, um, the giving of time, um, and those practical sh- uh, strategies of like, here's how, here's how to go from there's an idea to these are the, the steps you can take and the, these, this is the infrastructure that exists that can make that possible is phenomenal. I love that. The, the, last, <laughs> the last question I have for you is about this conversation itself so you know it's something that you know you do have these connections to both cities and you are thinking about both cities often but how has having this conversation about the ecosystem between montreal and toronto maybe opened up possibilities in your mind or added energy to it or um, shifted your perspective on on the connection between the two cities yeah well it's interesting because the organization and the work that I do is very nationally focused and to an extent there's um, some international elements. I, I think this conversation was a, an opportunity to really think very specifically about the ecosystem uh, from two distinct communities in our own country. And uh, I haven't like, despite, you know, having conversations to some degree and working to some degree in those spaces, having such an in-depth conversation like this has had, has, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about, well, what can we do? Uh, because they are two very powerful markets. What, what can happen if the two work together to make magic happen? I know that I keep saying magic, but I just, I'm a big believer in making ideas and dreams uh, a reality mm-hmm. and uh and innovation comes when you have these discussions and you bring these uh you know bring unique perspectives and ideas and people together to to hold that space and 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 uh envision and so <laughs> i have to thank you because uh i i haven't really thought about a comparison between the two to this degree before and i'm really excited to continue this discussion uh, with you and, and others who may be part of exploring this innovation and collaboration, because I think it could serve as a great a great case study, uh, not just for Toronto, Montreal, but other ecosystems uh, and even other industries as well. You know, one, uh, I thank you for bringing so much to this. Like, I think you bring a, a lot of uh, knowledge and experience, but also a lot of heart and imagination to this conversation. Um, um, it means a lot that you've... Uh, taken in the conversation in a way of thinking about like yeah what, what can we do you know and 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 looking at the possibilities and it's really really affirming as well because a lot of what you just said there are you know are the explicit intentions behind this conversation right like there when you say magic like part one of the premise is, premises behind this conversation series is that if montreal and toronto are more connected as the ecosystem, like incredible things are going to happen. And you can call that magic, you know, and then another, absolutely. And another part of the, you know, thinking behind this is that, you know, if Montreal and Toronto infrastructure wise, artist wise, collaboration wise, community wise can become more of an ecosystem that then also kind of starts to present a model or encouragement for, okay, well, what about the connection between other Canadian cities? 
Um, and we talk about like the geography being a barrier in Canada and it is, but there are also ways where we can close those gaps and, and make, um, you know, the, the Canadian market and Canadian music community more connected. So that Montreal, what you said about like the possibilities in other parts of the country is, is one of the things we've been thinking about a lot too, is like if Montreal and Toronto can figure it out, then that can really um, amplify opportunities between other cities. No, a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see how this all evolves. <laughs> Truly. Me too. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for participating in this and everything you shared here has been amazing to listen to. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, until next time. Thank you for listening to this conversation and connecting with what we do through Convene. Gratitude to the team behind this series on the music ecosystem between Montreal and Toronto, Nabil Shash, Alicia Roberts, Martine Anon, and Sebastian Miller. For more resources on this conversation, go to watervision.com, watrvision.com. This project is funded by Factor, the Government of Canada, and Canada's private radio broadcasters.